1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. I am one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You can follow me on Twitter, Twitter at Leprechaun with a K. You'll be hearing lots of Braves news, Braves related news, and if you're also probably familiar with my work over on TalkingChop.com where I'm a deputy site manager and have been the minor league editor for a few years now. We're kind of getting back into the swing of things, getting this podcast up and rolling again. We were uh, a very regular part of the podcast scene for a while and then took some break due to the technology issues. And more importantly, this past year, there's no minor league baseball happening. So, But we're kind of getting it back rolling, and we've got a big project we want to talk to you guys about. And to talk to me about that project, we have one Matt Powers, who you can follow on Twitter, at MattPowers31. And Garrett Spain, who you probably know better as Braves Farm Updates on Twitter. Uh, you can follow him at BravesMILB on Twitter. Uh, Garrett, how are you doing, buddy?
2: Hey, yeah, doing good. Excited to get this list rolling out and get started talking about it.
1: Matt, what about you? Hey, man, I know you're feeling a little bit under the weather, but I kind of had to drag you into the call anyway.
3: Yeah, I mean, at least it's uh, 2021, so 2020 is over, and hopefully we can get back to some minor league baseball.
1: Hey, the, don't don't put it past 2020 to keep growing, lingering longer than it was supposed to. Uh, I, I posted on something on Twitter that, you know, that, the, you know, the moon exploding, you know, you know, the first week of January or before, like, as the New Year's bell was going down, was very much on the table based on how the last 12 months have gone. So, you know, I'm trying not to tempt fate too much. Uh, but as, as Matt has alluded to, this is the new year. We are recording this on the 1st of January. Um, and we are in the midst of a, an important part of the year for us each year. Um, around this period of time, sometimes it's the last week of December. Sometimes it like goes, it kind of bleeds into the second week of January, which is kind of where we're going to be this year. Um, we do our preseason top thirty Braves prospects. Uh, we do two lists generally every year: one that's a preseason list where we kind of like collate all of our thoughts from the entire season and what we hear during the off season from instructs, et cetera, et cetera, and we make a list kind of like preview kind of what our thinking is going into the season, and then we do a mid season update right around the All Star break. When we talked about our prospect rankings, you know, any changes we've made, particularly when it comes to adding guys from the draft, we kind of want to get those guys slated in there and talk about it as soon as humanly possible. Get our first impressions there. That did not happen this year, uh, and it honestly kind of sucked for us because it's kind of one of our favorite projects that we do. Um, but you know, with no All-Star break this year, the drafting like truncated down to five rounds, no minor league baseball to watch. We just didn't feel like we had a lot of really, we had good information and enough information to put out a list that was frankly worth anything. So instead we kind of waited, we wanted to get, gather as much information as possible, wait until the off season, kind of get, get our thoughts together, especially if there was any moves that were going to happen, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we've done that and you know, I would say that our confidence level, I would say based on what information we have isn't the greatest in terms of this list, but we still want. Trying to get that list done to kind of at least you know, speaking, Thinking about thinking about minor league baseball. Thinking about a lot of these guys again, and kind of giving some good baseline to work from as we kind of go into this new year. where There's going to be a lot of coverage, and we're going to be getting out to a lot of games, um, etc. Because again, we haven't seen these guys in a year. Um, we've heard little bits and pieces of stuff from the alternate site. We've heard little bits and pieces from instructs, you know, various coaches, other players, things like that. We've gotten some information. That, don't get it wrong. Don't get me wrong, but we want to make sure we understand that for this list in particular, I would say it's probably like our lowest confidence level and like how we feel about what like you know what chances we're taking. And you'll see we didn't actually change I'll say a ton of the of the tiers that guys fall in. Uh there are a couple exceptions, guys that we feel pretty confident that we've made some moves on upward and some guys that have fallen off the list. And then we've obviously had graduations and things like that. Um one note I do want to say is that for our list, um and this list is compiled and I'll actually I guess you go into this first. The way we make this list is that we each personally make a list of our own personal rankings. That's myself, Matt, Garrett, Raul Vidak, and Wayne Cavati. We make our lists, and then from that those lists, I make a composite. Um, and from there, we kind of like I'll look at it and I'll see if I need to make any adjustments. If there's any like weird outliers um, that kind of hit, move the guy too far up or too far down, you know, kind of like little adjustments, I rarely have to do that. Um, because I'm pretty comfortable putting guys relatively close to each other. Uh, if maybe the order is switched and it looks a little bit weird at times, I don't really worry about that too much. Simply because I don't view the, our list as something that's like, you know, the number, you know, the number three guy is so much better than number five guy, or the number 12 guy is so much better than the number 13 guy, etc. Uh, I, I do see these guys in tiers. I do see, you know, we, we make an order, and, you know, in some places, we're pretty unanimous as kind of, this is where this guy needs to be. He is this, he is below this guy and he is above this guy. You know, that, that we feel probably more strongly than those guys that like, you know, like some of us have, you know, a guy at seven, another has at ten, another has at an eight, another has at nine. You know, that all averages out to a place in the rankings, but it's not something that we necessarily feel super strongly about. Um. So once we get that composite, we make the assignments and we, we put. The set in, in installments of six guys per. Uh, Garrett's be putting out. Uh, you know, we we'll have this; it's submitted. It's uh, on Sunday. We're gonna have kind of an honorable mentions list. We have four guys that didn't quite make the list. Um, and we don't have hard and fast rules in terms of eligibility. Uh One example is that we did not include Dansby Swanson on our list the year that he didn't quite use up his rookie eligibility. And he was starting the season, but he was starting the season with the big league club. We decided he was really close; like he was just a couple. I think he was just a game away from losing rookie eligibility. That you know, if we didn't include him on the list, it was only because he already had an established major league job. Uh, And we've done this in the past for other guys, but you know, this that this is one a clear example of that. Another example of it this year is going to be Bryce Wilson. That's only the one the one guy that I think is going to be mentioned more often than not. Um, he's had two years with the big league club. If we hadn't had a, if we had had 162 game season, I feel very confident that he would have gotten those extra eight innings or whatever it was to not longer be rookie eligible. Um, I'm not willing to say that he has like a lock to have an established big league role, but I do think that what we like to do is that if we're giving an opportunity to kind of just get some fresh blood to talk about on a list like this, we're probably going to lean towards doing that. And that's what we did this year. Uh, and in this particular case, that was Bryce. Um, it doesn't mean we don't like him. It doesn't mean he wouldn't have been on the list. It just means that in this particular case, you know, he was really close to losing rookie eligibility. Uh, and other guys have graduated off the list. Kyle White graduated. Uh, Austin Riley is obviously no longer on the well, list. He lost that eligibility this past year. Uh, but, you know, these guy's like, there's been some attrition. Uh, and some of that has been just because it's very clearly they have major league roles. And in other cases, you know, that they're close enough where we feel like getting them off the list and getting some new guys to talk about is something and that we feel comfortable doing. The biggest takeaway that we had, I think, from this process this year, we usually have, there's usually a lot of banter back and forth when we're making our list about, you know, where to put this guy, you know, what he did this year, you know, how do we weigh this? And there wasn't nearly as much of that this year. And that's because there was no minor league baseball to watch. Um, again, Matt, Garrett, Garav, Wayne, all of us have gotten little bits and pieces of information here and there. From the alternate site and from, you know, various people that we know around, you know, around the organization or, you know, that have gotten eyes on guys, coaches, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot more guesswork than usual in this. So Matt, I'm going to go to you first, uh, and then we'll go to Garrett. Um, without these games and this game data, how did you go about making like, a you take your list from 2019 and then you put your draftees where you kind of feel like they fit, but other adjustments that you'd make, how did you go about? making those adjustments uh, in terms of ranking individual players? Did you find yourself used going with what your, your thoughts were a year ago or what, what else that kind of went into your decision?
3: So mostly the same as last year, almost a copy and paste other than uh, guys I heard some good things about from the alternate site guys that were added to the alternate site roster versus those who weren't because obviously just being added shows the value to the team versus a guy that doesn't get added, especially a guy on the older end makes you question what the team sees in him. Uh, individually released videos that have come out from specific players, um, there's been one or two. Uh, really, those are the only things other than just keeping it the same because there just isn't much information to go on at this point.
1: Garrett, what about you, man? I mean, like, did you feel like you made a lot of changes? Like, were and were those changes based on anything other than feel, or was there, was there a process that you went through?
2: I, uh, you know, at the beginning of the process, I basically kind of did, you know, copy paste. I took the list that I had last year, put it in there, added a few guys at the end that I kind of, you know, obviously I added the new guys that got drafted and removed some guys that, um. Either graduated or got traded, but, which was not a lot, but, um, other than that, you know, it was just going through each individual and then kind of, I basically went down the list and looked at each individual player and I thought to myself, okay, from reports, video, stuff that I've seen, did this guy improve or hurt his stock this year? For most guys, you know, and, There wasn't a whole lot of change. Maybe a flip-flop a guy here and there. And then there were a handful of players where I said, hey, I've seen and heard enough that I'm willing to push this guy up. And there's a few guys that I thought, well, I didn't hear a lot. And for whatever reason, things happen, whether it be a guy like Matt said getting left off the alternate site, things like that, where I said, okay, maybe he'll drop off. Or it's an age thing where he's – you know, missing a year meant a lot to that guy, so I pulled him back or dropped him off the list. Um, other than that, you know, I mean, it really wasn't a significant difference. I just kind of went through and made micro-adjustments more than anything. You know, normally every year I go through, I just go through the rosters of the minor league teams, and I pick every single player, you know, cut off a certain cut off the guys that I don't consider prospects and then rank everybody else. And this year there was just no – there wasn't a reason to do wholesale changes. It, there wasn't enough information for us to do that. So it was just micro-adjustments and putting out a list that I felt confident in and making sure I rewarded guys that did do a good job this year despite not having a lot of uh, publicity.
1: So this was an interesting process for me, right? Because I did everything that you guys did, right? Like, I made sure I went to my original list uh, because, again, that is when I had that was the order that I had on these guys based on the last available information, with the exception of guys who graduated and the new draftees. Uh, I put, I picked spots where I felt pretty good about what the draftees were being, and then I, that, that way I can kind of compare and contrast as I was going that. was very similar to what you did, Garrett, right? Like, I was in the case, this guy, a little higher, a little lower than this, you know, the guy below, him, like, you know, that, does that feel right? Um, you know, I don't have like a, a particularly like a qualitative uh, quantitative system for this. Uh, I just kind of does this feel right? Does this feel right? Now, what I will say is that during from the 2019 list, I always feel much better about where I have guys during the midseason list than from the preseason list. Uh, even though I have all this information from the previous year, I'm having to predict for a next. The, the next development level almost as to kind of how I feel those guys are going to do with the preseason list. Whereas the midseason list, I'm basically placing them based on their current, current competition level. And I feel much better about saying, look, this guy is currently in double A. He is currently doing this. And as a result, this is where I feel like he should go. Whereas in preseason, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of predicting this guy to be in double A and I'm predicting him to do pretty well or really well or not so well. Uh, and, that's what happened with this, with the with the 2020 list, you know, from from preseason rather, is that I looked at the list and I didn't have a huge amount of confidence, and then I had an entire year of what I would say limited, not no information, but limited information to make kind of further projections. Um, so I decided to there were a few places where I was I did go bold over where I thought that. that they were going to be. I'm making, I'm placing some bets. Um, and again, it goes back to what you guys are saying. The, uh, some of these guys are at the alternate site. I think that playing that much time at an alternate site situation, in in a lot of these cases, against higher levels of competition, uh, really high quality prospects in a lot of cases. Not all of them, but there's a lot. There's a lot of high quality prospects down at the alternate site. And I think that you know, between positive information we've heard and actually participating in that for a long period of time. Makes me maybe a little bit more bullish on some guys than I would other, than, than I would otherwise feel. So, you know, I did make a few, I want to say a few pushes up lists. Um there's a guy like Makai Backstrom, for example, that like I had to kind of like, going into 2020, I really needed to see him play to really kind of make a decision about where I want to rank him. I didn't get to see that, so I just kind of ultimately had to make a decision where, you know, I'm not just going to keep him low on the list, you know, forever until I actually see him play. I really kind of had the decision. Um, other guys where I haven't seen in a long time, or I haven't seen at all. You know, guys who were in rookie ball that I would have liked to have seen in full season ball. I'm projecting: is this guy going to be physically filled out? Is he going to, you know, is he going to be able to do something once he gets the full season ball? You know, think, things like that. And I, I, I took major league uh, time into consideration as well. I mean, you have know, two guys. That I will go ahead and spoil the secret that everyone knows: Ian Anderson. And Christian Pache are at the top of our list. I'm not going to tell you which order those guys are in, but those two guys have major league time. And, and, you know, you think about those things when you think about other places down the list, you know, William Contreras getting time in the major leagues. And then we see, you know, Patrick Weigel guy made his debut. We saw Tucker Davidson make his debut. We saw other guys who uh, were threatening and could have or d- and didn't make their major league debut, uh, but were heavily featured and talked about. In terms of where they were going to be on, whether they're going to be on the 40 man roster or not and how they were going to be used, um, in 2020 at at the major league level. Those are all things that I considered and I made some adjustments and I, again, my list isn't like so crazily different from the preseason 2020 list. But at the same time, like, you know, I did make some changes and you know, I, I like to say this all the time, uh, especially at the beginning, the first article that we put out this is that this is all a thought exercise, and it's all fluid. Like I would not be shocked at all, and I don't, and I think Garrett and Matt would agree, is that two weeks into the minor league season, I could see a bunch of these rankings change, and it wouldn't bother me at all. You know what I mean? Like it just like it's a very fluid thing. Like this is just a snapshot. It's not something that I feel locked in. I'm like, well, you know, just wait. You know, that 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 number five ranking or whatever is really going to play out down the line. I'm willing to let my eyes tell me. That I was right or wrong, uh, and then I should move a guy up or down, et cetera, et cetera. These are all fluid things. Uh, and I would truly suggest to people before you get mad at us when this list rolls out next week is to keep in mind that we are fully expecting that this to be a lot of changes happen by midseason this year. Uh, assuming we have minor league baseball, which seems like there's going to be, uh, there's a little bit, a little bit too much chatter about where teams are going to be slotted with, you know, Rome going to high A and all that stuff. Like at some point when you're making all these organizational adjustments, there's a decision that's being made that some base amount of minor league baseball is going to be played.
0: Um. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. we got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking from the provocative to the technical we're offering insights you won't want to miss so tune in to the future of work a prop g pod special sponsored by canva you can find it on the prop g pod wherever you get your podcasts
1: i want to move on to this, the next topic here and that was and, Matt, again, I'll go to you first. Who was the hardest player for you to rank this year? Because I have, I have some thoughts on this, but I want to see what you thought. CJ Alexander sticks
3: out for me, and he, he dropped off my list. Well, he didn't technically drop off my list because I went beyond 30. I think I had him come in at maybe 33, 34. But he was drafted as an older prospect, had a bunch of success, when he was drafted immediately as an older prospect against mostly younger kids. I mean, he was uh, usually a little older than the levels up until he got to uh high A where he really didn't have that much time back in 2018. Then 2019 for him, he, it was basically a lost year. He was limited to 151 played appearances. Uh, although he did reach double A for 77 of them, but, Injuries really ruined his year. So last year, that's 2019, 151 plate appearances. Then 2020 comes, no season at all. uh Doesn't get added to the alternate site. So you're looking at a guy who's 24 right now, turns 25 at the start, well, not midway through the year, I should say. And he's had 151 plate appearances in the last two years and just 377 career professional plate appearances for a guy that didn't really play that much in the math in college he got most of his college playing time at the JUCO level so even though I still like him he's based on his age and the fact that he's struggled to really see much time and then had the injuries back in 2019 he was just a hard guy to rank
2: Garrett, what about you man I 100% agree on CJ. It was one of the names I was gonna bring up. I think the hardest guys to really get a feel on were the 2019, like later around draftees like Makai and um, Von Grissom because we got some reports and we've seen video, but again, we've most of these guys we've never seen play, and so it's hard to we we're. We typically tend to be, and Eric will tell you the same thing, we've said it for years, we tend to be hesitant to put guys that we haven't seen very high, but like he, like Eric said earlier, we know that Grissom, Backstrom, guys like that, they deserve to be high even if we haven't seen them yet, and so it was kind of a decision of how high are we willing to put these players. Another guy would be Trey Harris, and this was actually probably the one that I spent the longest time on because i i don't my eyes and what I've seen out of him tell me a different story than how the organization has treated him. The organization has kind of they didn't put him on the alternate side they haven't really pushed him. I mean, they pushed him quickly last year, but they haven't really shown that they have a ton of confidence in him. And so even though I have liked what I've seen out of him, I also am concerned that the organization has concerns for whatever reason. And so it was hard for me to figure out, you know, whether – I wanted to drop him because of the way the organization was treating him or whether I wanted to just go with what I had seen out of him. And so Trey was a really difficult prospect to evaluate. And I think that we'll see. He's one that really we're just going to have to see next year before we can really like figure out where he's moved.
1: Yeah. I think there's going to be a theme as to with one notable exception for me uh, is that the guys that are the hardest to rank were Guys who were like college guys coming out of the draft who were a little bit older and they like you can't have wasted years of development really and they had a wasted year of development more or less, right? Um, now the two guys that come to mind for me that are two pitchers, thing and that was Patrick Weigel who made his major league debut, which was great, but it wasn't very good and I still I still have no idea if the Patrick Weigel that exists now can even approach the level of good, uh, whether it be velocity and just quality of stuff that he was pre-surgery. So I am curious as to kind of how, I mean, I obviously I know where he ended up on our rankings, uh, and there was a certain amount of variance there, but I'm curious as to kind of what he looks like and how the, what the organization chooses to do with him. Uh, cause it's like, you know, again, he's getting older. Um, at some point, you have to know if he's going to be a part of your future or not. I just don't know where he is health wise. I don't know what he's going to look like after you know very limited usage last year. Um, and another guy's is Hayden Deal. And again, this is another guy. He's going to be he's going to be 26 for the entirety of next year. He's an undrafted free agent, and he hasn't pitched above high A and basically has one first like one good half of being a starter in pro baseball. You know, he's a reliever for Rome. And the second half down at quarter wasn't great. And I just, there's things I just don't know about that guy. And, you know, you can only have him figure it out for so long. Now, another guy, and I have trouble with him every year. And I still don't think I feel like I got it right. Um, and at some point I'm going to have to kind of, it's kind of a guy I'm going to have to give up on is Freddie Tarnock. Because again, we're talking about a kid with big time stuff and has games sometimes where he just looks like he's completely unhittable. But, you know, he came into the league so raw as a high school draftee and now he's, you know, he, he's, he's in I high A. He hasn't shown any semblance of trying to, do, of, of dominating down there. You never really know if it's the, situ, the situation that was in Florida that is impacting a guy, uh, negatively or if, you know, he's just not getting the, you know, he's just not progressing the way he needs to, whether it be because of coaching or, or whatever. You know, somehow ultimately the guy has to produce, and Freddie has not done so on a consistent basis. He just hasn't, uh, particularly as a starter. He's looked better as a reliever than as a starter. Which, you know, if they move make the move to a reliever, maybe it just works out better for him. But that has ultimately, you know, hurt his ceiling quite a bit. So I had a lot of time, tough time, kind of figuring out exactly where to put him in a place that I felt comfortable with him. Um, I end up kind of settling in a spot that was relatively close to where I'd had him in the past but he's a guy that he's kind of on a short list of guys for me that I could easily see just drop. If you know, the first half doesn't go well this year, just dropping him off the list. And if he wants to, you know, play his way back onto it, then so be it. But, you know, he's a tough guy to rank because again, really raw, really talented. And you really want to believe in that arm, but you know, he has not shown much as a pro. Uh, and we want to kind of see more of that in terms of results. Um, just a couple more questions. And, again, this is going to be a relatively short show. We don't necessarily want to, like, drown on too much because, we, you know, we want to let the list roll out next week. And then we'll do a bit of a post-mortem when we can get Grob back on the show, uh, maybe get Wayne on here too when he's doing a little bit better. Everyone's kind of a little bit under the weather right now. Um, and, again, Matt, we'll swing to you. uh Who is a guy that you ranked last year and did not this go around? Now, keep in mind, he has to still be eligible. So it can't be like, you know, Greg Cullen because he got traded. Who's the guy that dropped off your list this year and why didn't you make that decision?
3: I mean, it would have to be again, uh, CJ Alexander because just the age thing that comes in there with him outside of him, there really wasn't anyone else that dropped off other than Alex Jackson. Uh, and obviously the age thing comes into play a little bit with Jackson, but it's also a little bit, I think, The fact that there were so many guys that graduated and there weren't really a ton of new guys that came into the list because there just haven't been enough players that have come up, at least for me. I mean, the 2019 draftees were already on my list to begin with going into last year, the uh, the later picks, the high school kids. So it's not like I had to make room for them. I really only had to make room for – the new draftees from 2020 since the, uh, Janu- well, the July 2nd uh, international free agents out sign until later this month, uh, and we haven't had many of the July 2nd free agents coming in in the past couple of years, so it's really hard for me to drop too many guys from the rankings. So really, it sticks to just Alexander as well as, to a lesser extent, Alex Jackson and his fairly limited upside.
1: Garrett, what about you, man?
2: Yeah, I, I, there weren't, there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity for guys to drop off. The only guy that I can really find that did drop off for me, and it's really not a major prospect in any way, was Jeremy Fernandez. I'm pretty sure I was the only person that ranked him last year. He was one of those guys that I kind of, every year, the last three to five spots, I tend to throw in a couple guys that are, you know, upside athletic guys that probably aren't going to pan out but if they do it's worth giving them a mention at the end of the list and saying hey this guy could be a player down the road fernandez is i think 23 now you know he's never really had a he had one good year more in rookie ball and so it's not really worth ranking him anymore and it, you know that's the only guy that dropped off for me i don't really think that there was a whole lot for me to change
1: yeah again hard to make a decision to drop off a guy when baseball doesn't happen um i will say that one guy that i had at the bottom of my list last year and who was at the bottom of other lists was grayson janista uh, and he's a guy that we kind of forget about, right? Like, you know, that was a that that was going to be an important bat that the Braves picked in, in 2018 in, in the second round. And again, I have no reason to think that he's going to hit enough. I just don't. I don't. I, the power hasn't really shown up. The the hit tool hasn't really shown up either. And he's kind of just hasn't looked very good. Now I'll, we'll see kind of what you have what happens after you know a full year of like ding, ding. you know instruction and however he chooses to get instruction. To kind of get his change, maybe his swing change a little bit, um, and kind of see if he can end up starting to do some damage against pro hitting against pro pitchers, rather. But you know, that's a guy that again, a lot of people had some high hopes for as kind of like a potential middle of the order type of bat that could do some damage, um, can really hit the ball hard. He hasn't done much of anything, and you know, I I was really close to this kind of not even talking about him at all. Uh, last year but I you know you kind of keep thinking about talking to him but now you think about it and that he's going to be you know he turns 24 he's a college back and you kind of even thought that was going to progress quickly he got put in double a in 2019 and i don't think anyone necessarily was blown away by his performance in high day let alone double a um yeah i just I it, again the there's not a lot of guys that, you know, that I, I didn't put Corbin Klaus on my list this year, not because I don't want to like him, but because he's hurt and I just don't know where he is. Is um, an, another, another guy that I didn't have on my list this year. Um, you know, Alex Jackson, he was already mentioned. I think that he might be, you know, obviously Travis Dornos knows going have the lion share of the spot, but I think he might be the third most likely guy to get playing time next year as a catcher that's, in terms of internal candidates because I think that both Contreras, and Shea, like, the Gleers are more, you know, <laughs> are more likely prospects and certainly better ones than he is. So, you know, th- other than that though, you know, I just I didn't make any particularly crazy changes. I didn't like, I didn't put Dave Hernandez, but again, that, that kind of that le- reliever tier that typically is at the bottom of the list is something that's constantly changing for me. You know, if Klaus comes back and he's healthy and he's throwing really well, then, you know, he'll jump right back on there. You know, like Spencer Strider is another guy who I think is going to be a reliever. If he pitches well, then he'll kind of be sneaky. Into the bottom of that list, you know, it's it, you know kind of be a guy that can move up a little bit, you know, things like that. So overall, that kind of that reliever tier is one that's constantly went in flux. But the couple guys that like were legitimately really good prospects and have fallen off, you know, the, the name that just, like, stuck up to me, other than the ones that have already been mentioned, is stuff. All right, guys, one last question, and then I'll let you guys go, and we'll you know we'll we'll kind of tease the list a little bit more, and then we'll kind of. Let it speak for itself once it rolls out, starting out Monday. Matt, who was the biggest riser on your list? You don't have to say how far, but who was the biggest riser on your list?
3: I'm going to have to go with Makai Backstrom. I mean, technically, he didn't make it on uh, the list in the midseason 2019 because he signed too late. Uh, I actually... Held off the rankings as long as possible because I knew he was going to sign, but uh, you you got very mad at me because I delayed this as long as possible, waiting for him to sign. I so sure he was included.
0: Yeah,
1: you want you want to tell that story about how I had set a deadline and that you just refused to submit a list at all. Yeah, <laughs> I yep. was
3: sure he was going to sign, yep. and I was sure he was going to be included. And uh, deadline yeah. came and went. He <laughs> signed a day or two after. And he was obviously not included, even though he had signed because the deadline had passed. Uh, Eric got very mad at me, but um, yep, I've I, I heard positive things about him. Uh, I've seen positive videos from him. So yep. with all of that and the fact that he was a guy with major upside when he was drafted, he was just the easiest guy to move in a year where it was hard to really move many guys
2: much Garrett, what about you, man? Uh, if we're talking about purely how, who went the most spots up on the list, I think for me it ended up being Braden Shoemaker. And I actually, I mean, I'm, I was a little lukewarm on Braden Shoemaker last year, and I do, I've, he's grown on me a little bit. I wouldn't, but in terms of like, who improved their stock the most, I actually think it was Ian Anderson, and even though he, didn't, I'm not going to tell you exactly how far he went up, but he went up on the list. He jumped Drew Waters. He was behind him before and he's in that mix with Pache at, for number one. I went back and forth on them a lot, but just the way he played at the major league level completely blew away my expectations. And so for me, he was the person that pushed his, um, his grade up the highest the most just the way he played and the stuff he showed and the improvements he showed he was the guy that improved the most and then a shout out to Michael Harris as well everyone knows I love the guy he he made a pretty significant jump for me too and he was he he's one of the few guys that actually for me jumped a jumped from a to a different tier he jumped up a tier for me and he's really he's a guy that went up very quickly just from reports and Everything that we've learned about him video, he's a guy that went up very quickly.
1: Yeah, um, I, I want to go back to a couple of guys that have been mentioned already, but I want, I want to give some shout outs to Vaughn Grissom too. We've heard some good things about, you know, kind of his approach at the plate coming out of the alternate side. Everyone seems to really kind of like how he's progressing uh, as a player. I'm still a lot told that he'll stick it short, but I, I do think that he is a guy that we're kind of keeping an eye on and kind of, you know, on that periphery of that kind of like a top 10 type guy. Some of them I already had think he's there others, you know, he might be a little bit further away. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about Makai Backstrom because he's an interesting guy, right? Because I mean, literally Matt was willing to torpedo the list making process in order to try to include this kid who hadn't signed yet by the signing deadline. Uh, he found out very quickly that the list is not going to be torpedoed by anybody uh, <laughs> that I was going to make sure that it was going to get written and posted. Uh, but you know, he is like, in terms of the physicality, is a special, special kid. Um, you know, and you know we've we've gotten to know him a decent a, a, a decent bit over the course of the last year or so. Uh, seems like a great kid too. But the one thing that stands out for me is the is the bat speed. And if you want to like get me on board with a, a kid before I really got to get to see him play a whole lot, is like seeing really quick hands. And like the ball just, the bat just like rockets through the zone and he hits the ball with authority. And it just sounds different. And it sounds different when it comes off his bat. Again, like other guys that we have seen in the past. I don't know what he's going to look like in terms of, you know, being able to deal with different types of pitches, but, and I don't know what he's going to look like in the field, but I do know what that, I I do know an athlete when I see one. And I do know that there's a lot of things to really like about what he does at the plate. Um, and another guy, another guy is Michael Harris. I am unsure as to how fast he will move, but I will say that even though there were other reasons as to why that he had to get moved up to Rome, his like his draft year coming right out of high school, I don't think the Braves make that move unless they think that he could be something special. He has real he has real power. He can do a lot of different things athletically. He seems like he really can play. Play defense, I think he's gonna hit for average, he's gonna hit for some power, and he's going to have it look like, a really strong approach at the plate. He's the guy that I think that when you look at our list coming out, he's the one that's Where we have him, and you're gonna be like, wait a minute, you know, like that's, this, this looks different than where everyone, everyone else has him. Now there's gonna be a few others, our list is different than the, the ones that have come out. Again, partially because we don't have Bryce Wilson on our list, so that kind of like juices the rankings a little bit. But also, there's going to be guys that are in different places than you're, norm- that you're than you're used to seeing, and that's okay. But if you're looking for a name, you're like, well, what's the guy that's going to be like that looks different than everyone else? It's going to be Michael Harris, and again, not going to juice, not going to leak as to where he is. But that's the name that's going to be the one that sticks out. People are like, whoa, you, we really took a took a risk on him, and I think it is a worthy risk, although he may not, based on his age. He may not be a guy that like automatically just rockets through the minor leagues. It may take him some time to work his way through some things, but that kid can, that that kid can play, and I think he could be really special. So, those are kind of the guys that have, like really stuck out to me in terms of big risers. You know, um, other than that, I I, I kind of did what a lot of you guys did was just make micro adjustments here and there. Uh, Stephen Paolini moved up a few spots for me just because I think he's really physically filling out, and I really kind of like the the profile, and I really like that. I really like, kind of like the story of a guy that, that kind of gets discovered out of a, a school that you know, no one thought was really going to be watching and paying attention to and you really kind of see him be special. I, I really think that he can end up being somebody to keep an eye on for next year. But other than that, you know, it's, just, uh, it's going to be kind of a wait and see. And I'm really looking forward to having a baseball game to talk about. Uh, I know that Garrett always has plans to get down to the park. He's, he's right out there, but Triple-A, he's kind of our Triple-A liaison. I'm going to be getting out to Augusta and Rome games early next year. Uh, Matt lives all the way up in Pennsylvania, so he's going to kind of get to Braves games when he can, but he's certainly going to be watching a lot of games. And I know that is planning on getting out, too. Uh, I still need to get out to Mississippi. It's been a while, and I need to get out there just to, for another reason to say hi to everybody once everything settles down, uh, and hopefully we have a, a vaccine in place and then I can actually get one. Uh, that will make me feel a lot better about getting out to the ballpark. Uh, before I let everyone go, do you guys have anything else you want to share? Matt, you good?
2: Yeah, that's all for me.
1: Yeah. Garrett, what about you, man?
2: I'm, I'm going to say this on Harris. And my personal rankings do, do not match quite with the overall composite. But going back to us having Harris in a different spot than everybody else, my debate, this my biggest debate this process was – Michael Harris versus Drew Waters. So that's what I'm going to say for where I personally place him. And I know that I'm not f- too far above everybody else. I mean, we, we love Harris. He, he's got pretty, he's got all the tools, the personality, the approach. He's, he's a special guy. I really like him a lot.
3: I'll add that I had a similar thought process, but I'll keep it at that.
1: Well, there's the tease, guys. Uh, the, the, the biggest tease of the entire prospect list is that distinction right there. Uh, and I, I don't think I was quite to that point, but it was certainly closer than you would think uh, once you started thinking about it. Uh, thanks, thanks again to all of our listeners. We really appreciate you guys. If you want to make sure that you don't miss an episode of Road to Atlanta, very fortunately there's an easy way to do that, is you just subscribe to the Talking Shop feed, whether it be on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever your preferred podcast purveyor is. If the topic Talking Top feed exists upon it, you will not only get the Talking Chop podcast, which is hosted by Brad and I am a very frequent co-host on, uh, but you will also get this podcast anytime that it comes on. Just make sure you download it. Tell your friends to download it. Uh, make sure you leave five-star reviews for the podcast itself. That helps us out a lot. As for the list itself, on Sunday is when the honorable mentions list will roll out. Uh, that has already been written up by Garrett. We are finishing up the first installment of the list itself. That will start rolling out Monday, and there will be six guys. Every day for the rest of that week. So Monday, Tuesday, Monday through Friday, on Friday, you will know who the top prospect in the Braves Farm system is according to us. Um, and you know, we'll, after that, we'll do a little bit of, a, I'm sure that I'll probably have to do a little bit of talking on the talking chop podcast about the list. And then we'll do a longer retrospective type thing where we can kind of get everyone in here to kind of talk a little bit about the list who, wh- who you were surprised with they ended up and you know, we, where we can be talk about our surprises once we saw the final composite. Uh, what, you know, things that we can see changing, et cetera, et cetera. But this is kind of a little bit of a preview and a little bit of a tease. And we appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you follow the podcast, uh, at road, the number two Atlanta on Twitter. You can follow any one of us. You can follow Garab at GVDAC. You can follow Wayne, Wayne Cavati as well. All everyone deserves your love in terms of following up for minor league content. And once the years get started, it's going to be a lot of fun because we actually get to talk about minor league baseball again, rather than just kind of like, You know, assuming and projecting and pretending about it, uh, we actually get to see it happen. And that's going to be really important for all of us. So thanks again. And until next time, we'll see you on the road.
0: Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on surprise, The Future of Work